podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Hey, Dolphins, this is Michael Fink with the uh, FinFans Podcast. Each week we come to you and bring you our opinions on what's going on within the Dolphins organization. During the season, you'll hear two shows each week where we review and preview each game. We shoot straight from the hip and have fun in doing so. We'd like to thank both the Dolphins Talk Network and the Pigskin Podcast Network for their support. Uh, Make sure to check them out. Please leave us a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you may listen to your podcasts. Please make sure to follow the show. That way you'll know when a new one comes out. It's truly appreciated. All right, let's uh, kick off today's show. And we're back for yet another podcast. Rookies reported yesterday, guys. And uh, with me is Daniel Reinhardt. What up, Finn fans? And Jim Johnson. Ha, ah, two weeks in a row for me here. Two I'm weeks on in a row. row. You're on a streak. <laughs> Welcome so, back again, Jimmy. Thanks, Dan. We asked the uh, listeners to give us some uh, questions, and they did. So we're going to go ahead and uh, tackle those today. Mostly training camp related. So let's start off with number one. BJ Green asks, is Tua going to stay healthy and have a breakout season? I think he's definitely capable. And Carlos asked, after Tua and the Dolphins have a breakout year, what do you think the haters' excuses will be next year? (laughs) (laughs) That's a glass half full kind of question there, huh? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I don't believe there's such thing as haters. I mean, you know, you may have a small percentage of people that hate Tua for whatever reason. They don't like Hawaiians, whatever it is. But I'm not a big believer in that term, haters. I I think there's people that doubt Tua, and that's perfectly fair. Until he does it, he hasn't done it, so he needs to do it. Uh, How do you guys look at it, Daniel? Yeah, I... I don't know if they're Tua haters yet, but there's. it definitely seems like over the years we've had a number of Dolphin haters in the media, uh, people who just always seem to ish on us. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, Even some of the Dolphins beat writers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're not saying any <laughs> names. <clears> oh, <throat> Mark Kelly. Um, but I don't know if there's actually Tua haters yet. Tua has given people reasons to doubt him that are not necessarily the injury-related stuff. So when he was first coming out, he had the injury thing with the hip, and there was obviously going to be some doubt. He's done done enough to give people doubt, and I think some of that is very warranted. Do I think that he's capable like BJ says he is? I do tend to think so. He's... He's definitely got to get himself in in the film room this offseason. Hopefully he's done enough there to be ready for training camp and will continue to do enough there to really excel this year in a new scheme. I think that's going to be huge for him. We already know what the offensive line means to him. He's struggled behind a poor offensive line for a couple of seasons. So, I don't know that he's going to have that excuse this year, and he's definitely not going to be able to say, I don't have the horses, because Greer and this new coaching staff have the horses around him. So I do think he has the capability of having a really good year. I don't know how much of a leap it is. I don't think he'll be top 10 in yards or anything crazy. But I do think that he can help get us. Well, to no, the if, they, if they're really serious about having a good ground game, uh, that will help his yards per throw 
but it may take away some from the total yardage because he's not going to have as many passes thrown. Yeah, for sure. How you feel, Jim? I'm kind of with Daniel on this. Can he? Yes, I think he has the talent there. And like Daniel alluded to, the term haters that everybody gets labeled with is is really not very good and it's it's I hate to see it used. I'm using the word again, but it's people need to go into this with reasonable expectations. When Tua was drafted, we knew he was coming off a substantial injury. And, you know, he probably should have been redshirted the whole year and and waited till he was healthy, but he wasn't. And that knocks a guy's confidence. And the quarterback position is all about confidence. And I think that's been his biggest issue because he has never looked like he did in college, uh, where he just went out there and balled out. Uh, and that's what we've been lacking. Whether that's the translation to NFL or what, I don't know. But we just haven't seen what we need to see from him. You know, he's got wide receivers, he's got more running backs, and he's got help on the offensive line. Uh, you know, the Bucks got to stop this year. So uh, can he do it? Yeah. Will he do it? Uh, that remains to be seen. And, and uh, I'm, I'm in that uh, doubter category that you mentioned earlier, Mike. Yeah, well, he's, he's another six months removed from that injury. Yeah. And uh, he's had time to work on his strength. We've seen some clips of him throwing. And, you know, in the clips, he's looked well. But, you know, other than the one the Dolphins put out where he had an underthrow. But, you right. know, every quarterback has an underthrow. People went way off on that for no reason. Oh, yeah. But, uh, I mean, we saw Marino make underthrows, okay? It happens. It's a, especially when you're throwing a fast guy, you know, your timing gets just a bit off, and it's an underthrow. Yeah, and so, I'll, I'll add to uh, what Carlos is saying there. There are haters. They're called uh, Dolphin, or, uh, Bills, Patriots, and Jets fans. Of course. And hopefully we shut them up. And them. jaded Dolphin fans, you know. Sure. <laughs> they, they hate everybody because... Why shouldn't I? They've been yeah. terrible for so long, you know, yeah. type of thing. Hate everything so, we do these days. Yep. All right. Uh, Brian asked, do the Dolphins think they are a playoff team with the resurgence of the AFC East? Well, my question to him is, who, you know, is there a resurgence? I'm not sure. You know, we, we've got the Bills and, and the Patriots made the playoffs last season, but the Jets are the Jets until they're not. And uh, I, I'm, I don't think we're in the toughest division in football is what I'm saying. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, we've, we've hit the toughest divisions in the, AFC, or in the AFC here several times on the podcast. I don't know that, uh, that we have too much to worry about in a couple of the teams in the AFC East. Now, I'm going to say that, and they're going to come out, and they're going to give us hell of good matchups both times we face them this season. But uh, – what we really have to look at is, is how can we beat Buffalo? You know, I, I think the Patriots have lost some talent on that team. They're going to struggle to to be in the playoff race this year. Uh, the Jets are the Jets, as you said, until they prove that they're not, even though they have gotten better. Uh, they have gotten better on the offensive side of the ball, and you would think that they have improved on the defensive side of the ball with some of those additions as well. So do the Dolphins think they're playoff? caliber football team yeah i'm going to tell you right now they do think that and a lot of dolphins fans think that right now too uh there uh there's a guy who's talking on the other end of the microphone who who believes they're a playoff caliber football team so 
yeah, I think the answer to that question is yes. Yeah. Well, you almost you almost have to think they are right because they they did improve in the off season and and they've been on the cusp of it the last two years. So why wouldn't you think they're capable? But they still have to go out and do it, right, Jim? If you're a football team and you don't think you're playoff uh, caliber, then you need to change your mindset because you know that mindset is just about everything. And if you don't think you can do it, you're probably not going to get it done. And uh, you just got to go out there and play. And you know. You know, there is no other option. It's just win, you know? So, yeah, they, I'm sure they, they're thinking playoffs. Angel Perez asks, who will be, emerge as the leader of the backfield full of running backs? <laughs> there, and it is definitely Tony, full of running backs. Uh-huh. And Tony asks, uh, yo, the backfield battle. What do you think will make the biggest impact? We've got a good core of backs. Edmonds, Michelle, Mostart, or Gaskin, and, or one of the others. So, what do you guys think of the running backs? I'll, I'll take it last. You know, you look at these guys, and there's some great additions. Uh, Chase Edmonds, I've got to think, is going to be your starting, you know, running back number one. He was, you know, your big ticket free agent, uh, kind of made a splash. Uh, he hasn't, you know, he's not dealing with big injury issues like Mostert and uh, Michelle have been. Uh, so, to me, he's going to be your your starter. Uh, Gaskin is right there on the edge because you know Raheem and Sonny Michelle are uh, they're nursing injuries, uh, so you're you're going to struggle to put people with injury issues ahead of guys that are healthy and producing right now. So I feel that uh, you know Edmonds is going to be your guy in the beginning, and then you know if Raheem gets his wheels going uh, and can get to that outside edge, then he's going to get a lot of playing time. And uh, Sony Michelle, I mean, he's a guy that's that's made plays when it really needed to be made. He's he's made plays in big games at big times. So a great addition to the team, uh, whether he'll be healthy and, and uh, make an impact remains to be seen. But, you know, Salvan Ahmed and, uh, you know, our seventh round pick Dokes, you know, these guys, you know, they're going to have trouble getting any playing time, even if they make the team. So uh, I think it's between Edmonds and uh, probably Mostert that's going to get to production on the field. Yeah, I think if Lou was here, what would he say right now? He'd say, Mostert is the starter. And I really, I think that he's probably correct if, if Mostert is healthy. I think Mostert will be the guy who is first string. And, and I think that that's probably the case because he has more experience, because he's already played with McDaniel, and because he knows the scheme. You know, Regardless of anything else, I think if he's healthy, he's probably the starter. But I agree with you on this part, Jim. I think that, that Chase Edmonds is our more effective back throughout the season, and I, I think that he gets the majority of the carries. Uh, I don't know what to expect out of Gaskin. I think maybe he's right on the edge of, of being able to even make the team. He's going to have to come out, and he's going to have to work really, really hard like he did when Flores made him the starter. But he's got guys in front of him that I think are just better. So Sony Michelle is going to play a very valuable role for us, but I think when all is said and done at the end of this year, Chase Edmond is the leader of the backfield. Boy, the, the running backs are a mystery, right? I mean, you, you know, is, is Mozart going to be healthy, right? You got to wonder that, right? That's my biggest issue, yep. You know, yep. is Edmonds capable of carrying a full-time workload? 
I don't know. So, you know, we've got questions there. And uh, question number six, uh, who's the dark horse to make the team? And, uh, and because that player makes it, which player gets cut because of the dark horse? Well, I answered it, and, and I picked Sequandre White for the very reason that we're talking about, you know. Uh, and, and the guy that gets cut in this case would be uh, Miles Gaskin. Well, I think if I had to, uh, ju- off the top of my dome, to look at my roster, look at our roster in my mind's eye, I think that I would go with that exact same scenario. If I was to take a look at the roster and really dig into it, there, there could be a couple of possibilities. I think that's still a really strong one. The other one I would look at would be maybe a guy like Sherfield, Trent Sherfield getting cut for Eric Izukanma uh, out of Texas Tech. I think there's a chance that something along those lines happen as well. Well, you got to think the draft pick's going to make the team. Uh, so then, it, then it's a matter of who is who is he going to replace? You know, is it Sherfield? Is it uh, Preston Williams? Who is it? You know. I don't think he's a lock to make the team. I think, I mean, we've seen some draft picks in recent years hit the practice squad. So I think that's a possibility. Yep. You know, we talk about the physical nature of the game and everything, but, you know, the game is mental too. And when a rookie comes in and just can't grasp the playbook and can't, you know, grasp what he's supposed to do, then, you know, if it's a real high draft pick, they'll probably keep him and work with him. But if you're a mid or late round draft pick or a free agent, they don't have time for you. Yeah. Jim, who do you got here? Well, I'm basically on the same page with you guys. Uh, everybody wants to ask about Preston Williams. And, and he's a guy uh, that he needs, to, he needs to make plays to, to you know, get on the field and make the roster. He's, uh, he's been injured. He looked fantastic early in his, you know, that first season. And I really like the guy, but he's, he's on the bubble. You know, uh, we're talking about, uh, Sherfield and the, the rookie fourth round draft pick number 125. I just as soon keep the new guy and, and send Preston out the door if he's not looking like he did early on. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Me too. Let's see. Eric asks, how do we feel about Mike McDaniel? Is he the coolest coach in the NFL? Are Dolphin fans excited to see the return of the fullback? I love the idea of a fullback. It was 1972 when I became a fan. It was Zonka carrying people on his back that made me love the game. That's all from Eric. So he's kind of got a couple of questions there. How do you feel about McDaniel? And uh, are you happy to see the return of the fullback? I'll, I'll jump on this one. I, McDaniel is the most interesting guy that, that I've seen in quite some time. Um, so I'm excited to see how that translates. The, the locker room seems to like him. Uh, he seems to have a good head on his shoulders, and he's been uh, the brain power there for the 49ers for a while now. So uh, from there, you know, it all remains to be seen, but the fullback, I mean, I'm, I'm with you, Mike, I'm old school smash mouth football. And, uh, I would just love to see a a fullback really destroy a defense when it matters late in the game. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see him on the roster and, and going to be getting utilized. Yeah. And so real fast, the, uh, the response about the 1972 and Zonka, that was actually Elma responding to Eric. Eric's oh, question. okay. All right. So well, Elma, a longtime friend of all of ours, longtime friend of the podcast, 
uh, who she'll be making the trip down to the Cleveland game, right? So uh, Elma has been a fan for years and years, and, and I agree with Elma. I love the idea of bringing the fullback back to the Miami Dolphins roster. We've got we've got a guy who is a very effective fullback as well. We just brought him in from from oh, the, the Raiders. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I think he can do some great things in our backfield as far as blocking, freeing, whoever it is, whether it's Mostert or Edmonds or Sony Michelle, and uh, getting some big plays out of our, our offensive running game. Now, as far as Mike McDaniel, I think that there's a fair shake to say that he is quote-unquote the coolest coach in the NFL right now, but it's... <laughs> Probably because he's the youngest and he is very off the cuff, right? Uh, is he the youngest? Uh, regardless, he's just very off the cuff and he's very original. He's he's new school. He's he, unique. He's very unique and he relates with the players very well. I'm very excited. Uh, we've talked about it multiple times. I'm very excited to see what McDaniel does in Miami. I'm interested. You know, he gets your interest, and that's what he's done for me. He gets me interested. You know, how is he going to handle this team after they've lost a couple of games? You know, these are things we're going to have to see. You know, can he keep the team? And uh, I kind of believe he will because everybody's talking him up. Yeah, and it goes back to does Miami think they're a playoff caliber team? So first-year head coaches have a kind of a tough go sometimes. Sometimes. And it's going to be very interesting to see what he does when he faces some adversity. Because so far this offseason, it's been glowing praise for what Miami has done, right? What they've put around to uh, uh, the new to uh, that we, we see in, in the media, uh, people talking about how he's back uh, to full strength. So hasn't been any adversity yet. It's going to be really interesting to see what he does with that. Agreed. Um, as far as uh, Elmo. Um, yeah, I became a fan in 71 for very much the same reason. You you had to watch Zonko. You know, when you saw him run, you, you had to see it again because it was awesome. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we've talked about him previously, too. He's the one guy that I wish I could have seen live. I mean, yep. a number of guys, but he's the number one. He should be because uh, yeah. he, he, was, he was the most fun to watch. I mean, we had a lot of great players back then, but uh, Larry Zonka was the identity of the team, really. You know, they were tough. They were hard-nosed, and uh, that's how they won. Yeah, and so, I just want to take this moment to extend a uh, hello to Larry. If you're listening, Larry, I'd love to come visit you in Alaska. So <laughs> reach out to me. You can, uh, you can get at me here at the podcast. I'm sure I'll get right on that. I, that would be awesome. The answer is always no if you don't ask, right? That's right. (laughs) All right, we're going to take a little bit of a break while I talk about DraftKings, and uh, then we'll pick it up with question number eight. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, and over-unders and props, your betting options feel endless. If you're a New York baseball fan, yeah, you can bet on the Mets, you can bet on the Yankees, both are doing well, and uh, maybe you will too. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN 
Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. All right. Uh, Chad Baker asks, is Gusecki in a better or worse position to succeed as an offensive skill player, not just blocker, this year compared to last year? I don't, I don't see anything really changing. Uh, we have more weapons with speed on the team now. Uh, you know, Tyreek Hill adds a completely new dimension. Uh, you know, you got Cedric Wilson from Dallas, and we've already got Jalen Waddell. Uh, so there's three guys ahead of Gazeki looking for, for receptions on the field. So um, he should have more success, really, uh, because he won't be getting double teamed very much uh, because they're going to be worrying about all the outside guys. But uh, I, I think his opportunities may fluctuate game to game depending on how the defense operates and, and what they have to do uh, with play calling. But uh, Gazeki's going to struggle really as far as number of uh, balls thrown his way, I think, this year. So he's going to find it a little bit harder to have a big season uh, when you've got all those other you know weapons on the field that are going to want that ball. Yeah, for me, Gasicki is one of the biggest conundrums we have on the whole team this year, you know, not named quarterback, because he has all of the talent in the world to excel. And we've talked about this. This is another one of those things we've talked about several times on the podcast. He has the athleticism to be a top three tight end in the league. He just does. And if he gets some of the same opportunities that George Kittle did in San Francisco, for example, if he has the, the, the coverages pulled away from him because of these other receivers and he steps his game up when he's needed to, then, then yeah, I think he's going to be in a great position to succeed. My biggest problem with that is He's going to need to improve the blocking, I think, in my opinion, to be able to have those opportunities. I know the question was, quote unquote, not just blocker. But for me, in this run first or run heavy offense, he is going to be asked to to be put into the position where he's going to need to block. And if he fails, then I think that that we're going to see more Durham Smythe than Gasicki. Probably not on the season, but. As we go forward, I think that there's a possibility that happens. So it's just so I can see both sides of the coin with Gasicki, where he excels greatly and becomes a huge and potent weapon for us all over the field, not just in between the 20s. Uh, but I just don't know what to expect, man. I just don't. Well, you know, a lot depends, honestly, on how successful our run game is. Because if we're not getting yards on the ground, then teams can fall back into a cover three. And uh, you're going to find that Gusecki will have a more difficult time getting open. Um, yeah. If they go double safety back there and, and just, you know, split the field, that's when uh, Gasicki should, should shine. That's when he should be able to get open. And that's, that's when Tua should be looking for him. So a lot depends on, you know, how defenses decide to play us. And I think that's all going to be dependent on how successful they are running the ball. Yeah. And if they're not successful with him blocking in the run game, then when he comes in, they're going to know it's play action. You know what I mean? And so they're going to be able to come down and thump him. And so 
it's it's just such a such a head scratcher for me. I I'm going to be very interested to see how it pans out with him. Randy asks, I just looked at the Finns' first four games. Dang, my guess is you would be pretty satisfied with being two and two heading into Week Five against the Jets. Uh, those first four games are the Patriots at the Ravens, the Bills at home, and at the Bengals. Would you be satisfied with two and two, Daniel? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I we gotta say. Uh, well, I can't say we. I, I'll let you gentlemen be your own people. But yeah, <laughs> I I've got to say that if we were two and two going into week five, I'd be pretty happy. That's a murderer's row first four weeks. Uh, th- there is never a give me going into uh, Foxborough. There just isn't. And the other three teams, we already know what to expect from them. You know, they're going to be really good. So two and two heading into week five. I will take it every day of the week. Well, I guess I would have to be happy with that (laughs) considering our past and how we, how we play against Baltimore a lot. Uh, But, you know, we keep talking about playoffs and, and playoff teams take steps and make plays when needed. And, uh, you know, the Patriots, you know, we should be looking. We're always talking about beating the Bills. So, uh, you know, we need to put that high on our plate on that, uh, was it the third game? But, uh, yeah, two and two, I'd be, I wouldn't be upset, but I would probably be uh, disappointed per se. Hmm. Here's the thing. Each one of those teams are teams we're in direct competition with. You've got the Bills and Patriots in our division, and you've got the Ravens and Bengals expected to be in the playoffs. Yeah. Now, I say playoffs, and I think of home games. And uh, if you want a home game in the playoffs, these are the kind of games you got to win because you got to win those tiebreakers at the end of the season. So from that aspect, yes, I would be disappointed with two and two. But from where the team is, I think you kind of have to be happy and, and, you know, just play the cards you're dealt after that. Yeah, I, I think that we could just as easily be 0-4. Yeah. And still be a really good football team and, and lose all four of those games. You know, so uh, I just – I don't think that I'd be disappointed at 2-2. At two and two. Now, obviously, there's levels of happiness in which I would uh, jump higher upon those the levels. The other thing is, how, how did we lose the game? Right. Well, that – that right. was my that was my next comment. Is it depends on how we're playing. Sure. Uh, you know, did we did we lose a close game? Did we get blown out? You know, what right. did the wheels come off? Did Tua look terrible? There's so many variables there. But you know, like you mentioned, Mike, you know, if if we're going to talk about playoffs, uh, we need to beat some good good teams in route to that. So uh, you know, if you lower your expectations, you know, it's not going to get better. Fair. All right. Eric asks, who will have a better career statistically when all is said and done, Waddle or Hill? Boy. Jim? Well, I'll I'll throw my uh, crystal ball out for this one. You know, know, mirror, mirror on the wall type of thing. Uh, You know, there's so many variables here. You know, Hill's already been in the league several years. He's shown us what he can do and what he can be and how important he he has been for the Chiefs in, in, you know, over the last few years. Waddle showed us that, uh, you know, he, he caught the most passes for a rookie ever. So, you know, they both have a tremendous skill set. 
to predict who's going to have the best uh, statistics and so forth uh, in at the end, I I don't know. I'm I'm going to go with Hill right now because he's got a Super Bowl ring and uh, that's still out there for Waddle to go chase. So I'm going to go with Hill for now. Yeah, I can't I can't choose Waddle here after just one season, even though he he has the reception record for a rookie. Uh, Tyreek Hill has been incredible. He's been incredible for six years, and he was not expected to be necessarily, right? And Waddle come into the league expecting to be uh, great. He was picked sixth overall. You expect a guy like that to come out and produce. And I think he's going to be great. I just am not sure that he's going to have quite the type of impact on a game that Hill does. Hill is, he's just an original and there's nobody like him. Even though Waddle's really fast and he can he can get in and out of breaks and he can probably burn some people, he's he's just not Tyreek Hill. At least not right now. And I can't pick him over Hill for having a better career at this point. Do you think that Hill will open up the field for Waddle? I do. Yeah. I do. Jim? Oh yeah. I mean they're going to they're going to work for each other. You know, I mean as a defensive coordinator, who do you try to take out of the game because if you take one or the other out, you know, the other one's going to burn you. Yeah. That's what I'm curious to see how defenses play us. All right, uh, Ryan asks, who is on the bubble and needs to show something at camp to earn a spot? Not guys we all know won't make it, but guys like Preston Williams or Miles Gaskin. And um I came up with a few of them. Adam Shaheen, uh, Lynn Bowden Jr., Solomon Kinley, Sam McWavin. Uh, those are all guys, I think, that are on the bubble and, and need to have a good camp. Yeah, let me add to that list. And, and I'm, gonna, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Uh, I think we need to cut his ass, and that's Noah Ibnogany. I know we've talked about it several times and that he needs to show up this year. He needs to have the opportunities, right? Uh, I think for Lou in particular, the term is opportunity, word of the day, for uh, Noah. But I just haven't seen anything from him, man. Even on the times he has been on the field, he hasn't done anything in the preseasons to impress me. It's going to take a hell of a showing in training camp, in my eyes, for him to stay on the team. First round pick or not. First round pick be damned. It's time to show up. Yeah, yeah, I'm about done with with him. If he shows up, he shows up. I'm I'm okay with him if if the coaches want to hang on to him to see what he can do. That's fine. Maybe they know more than we do, but uh, you know, I haven't seen anything exciting from him to want to hang on to him. But I I'm with you, Mike. You know, Lynn Bowden Jr. Uh, even Preston Williams, you know, one of the questions was who's going to play themselves out of the team. And Preston Williams, if he doesn't shine, he's going to be out the door because we're uh, yeah, I, came, I came up with the same answer to that question for what it's worth. Yeah, well, we're on the same page there. And I was a huge Preston Williams fan early on. I mean, mm-hmm. he had the body type. He made some great catches early, but then he, he vanished. Whether we 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 blame Wilkins for hurting him in the end zone or what, I I don't know. But uh, he just hasn't looked the same as he did the first uh, what was it nine games of that first season. So um, there's several. He looked a little slower last year. Maybe he wasn't fully recovered from that injury. Right. Uh, right. So hopefully he regains whatever it is he lost, and he's in a better position to compete in this camp than he was last year. Right. Yeah, because if he is, and if he's back to what he was when we first seen him on the field, he'll be a great addition. Yep. Last question. 
Dun, 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 dun. You ready? Shoot. I don't Let's know. Go. Is it fair to expect McDaniel to be how successful in year one? What do you think this fair ceiling stops at? <sighs> That's a really tough question because we haven't had a guy take us to the playoffs since Adam Gase. And, and I think we kind of backed in there. Um, we haven't had a lot of success recently with our coaches. We just haven't. Um, I'm not talking about longevity. I'm just talking about what has the team done on the field and how far have they taken us. I feel differently about McDaniel than I have those others. But I think it's fair to also say at some point or other, we have felt differently about those other coaches. I think it's fair. Tony Sperano got us to the playoffs in the first year, but it didn't do much for him to keep his job, you know, because he regressed after that. I think it's fair to say that we don't backtrack wins and losses from last year and that, right. that we make the playoffs. I, I don't expect a Super Bowl berth. I don't expect an AFC championship. But I think that if everything comes together – He's the guy that can get us there. So you're thinking one and done is okay. I said earlier, levels of happiness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's fair to say that if he makes it to the playoffs, we're one and done. That's a successful season for us. Um, but obviously, we want more. And obviously, we want it to come together. Oh, yeah, everybody wants to win the Super Bowl. I mean, that, that's everybody's yeah. goal at the yeah. start of the season. But how realistic is it for you know McDaniel in his first season to have that happen? Probably not very. No, but we see guys like Zach Taylor take a team like Cincinnati. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was a couple of years in, obviously. Right. But uh, right. they were last place in their division the, the year prior. And, and then they came out and, and made it to the Super Bowl. So it is definitely possible, especially if these players gel and play for this coach. And uh, I think that there's a, there's a possibility that that could, that could be the case. So maybe Well, I'll crazy. tell you, guys like Ogba think they have a good shot to compete. So, you know, they've been pretty vocal, and uh, they're excited, and they should be. Uh, Jim, how do you look at it? Well, it's a very difficult question, you know, and the, and the word fair was used in there, and, yep. and there's, there's nothing fair in life. There's no fair there's, in football. There's no fair in football, you know, uh, team, teams cheat and get away with it. And uh, so that whole fair thing isn't a very good wording per se, uh, but – Coming in, new coach, old coach, whatever, uh, he's got the same basic team with some pretty big additions to it. Uh, we were right at the cusp of the playoffs last year, so I would think he should be, we should be overall better with the talent that's been added. So uh, he should be successful this year, and if he can make it work, I would think, you know, if if he has a quarterback that can make plays when needed, uh, he can he can take the team to the Super Bowl. I, I think it's within his grasp. It just depends on how things gel and come together. And the biggest issue for any coach and any team that's talking about playoffs and Super Bowls is the quarterback. So that's the biggest uh, issue we have is to see what Tua is going to come out on the field this year. You know what I think is a bigger question than a quarterback question? What's that? Josh Boyer. Okay. Yeah, that's can, fair. Can can the defense continue on? Yeah. Yep. How is he going to be with the defense with uh, his mentor gone? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Is it is it the is it the Flores slash Belichick uh, mentality that made that defense work as well as it did? So yeah. Well, it's would, like anything, right? It's knowing what to call when. 
Uh-huh. Right? There's some intuition involved. And does he have it, you know? Yep. Let's hope he is freed like a dove on a on wedding day. Right. And he just flies this defense to the top of the league. Right. That was a very strange analogy. I'm sorry. I got it. <laughs> you want him to have much success. Yes, absolutely. All right. I think that's going to be it for today. It's a shorter show than usual. Right. Uh, we'll be back next week, and uh, we might even have two shows next week. Uh, that, that That's a possibility as well. We'll see how it goes. Um, but uh, we'll come back. We'll talk about training camp, and uh, we have a visitor that I talked about last week, and uh, uh, it should be a fun week. So Yeah, by this time next week, all teams will be in camp, right? Yeah, well, I, I'm not positive if they'll all be in camp, but we definitely will. I think so. I think I've seen today that all the teams will be in camp by this time next week. It is right around the corner, gentlemen. If you saw it, I believe it. So, uh, assuming everybody is in camp next week, hopefully we're reading about uh, some teams not having success. And you know who those teams are. They all reside in the AFC East, yep. except for us. Mm-hmm. So, until next week, guys, uh, have a good week. And uh, thanks for listening. And you guys, thanks for joining me. Fins up, everybody. Fins up. Fins up. All right, that's today's show. I just want to remind everyone that the Fin Fans Podcast is proud to be part of DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network and the Pigskin Podcast Network. Check out these sites, guys. There's lots of podcasts and information there that you'll enjoy. All right, until next time, be well and take care. Network.